0: Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this very, very, very special day. Mm -hmm. Every day should be today. Every day, we should just appreciate the gift of women and motherhood. And Today, we want to thank you for blessing our lives with them. We thank you for this time in your presence. Holy Spirit, may you speak to us. May you set us free from every belief system we have that is contrary to your truth. May you propel us into your perfect will for our lives. May your mighty presence be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, originally we wanted a woman to speak for Mother's Day. And then finally we thought, you know, maybe it's a good time for, for us, the men, to show gratitude and to speak to a few issues that men are supposed to probably speak on as part of our support for women and mothers. Amen. The first thing I want to share this morning is that all women are called to motherhood. Amen. Motherhood is every woman's calling. Motherhood is every woman's calling. Amen. We'll we'll go through a few scriptures. Most of them are very familiar to all of us. In Genesis chapter 2, the woman is created uh, from verse 23 to 25. Says, um, well, so let's start from 21, Genesis 2 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Amen. And then he continues, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. That last verse is the verse on marriage, that the couple, the man and the woman, will both be naked, totally naked to each other, and there'll be no shame, no judgment, Acceptance of all the scars and the wounds and the, the journeys we've been on before we met, since we met. No shame. What is interesting is that this man who had been created and was busy naming animals and trees and everything became a poet for the first time in his life when he saw a woman. <laughs> Poetry. He, he was born that day, but she was just that; she was woman. And what it took for them to realize that God had more in mind for her than just being a wife, than just being a companion to a man, because as until the, I mean, from this time all the way to the fall, this is all she had been woman, she didn't even have a name. She didn't even have, for lack of a better expression, an identity, she was just a companion to help a man. And then, as it happens with life when there is no clear understanding of purpose, she got distracted. In fact, they got distracted because when she picks from the tree, the man, was with her. And so God now pronounces judgment on them. He begins with the snake, the devil, and then the man and the woman. But this is the mercy of God. In the declaration of what many call a curse, in the declaration of that which was supposed to spell damnation and doom for them, He also very indirectly reminds the man and the woman of their purpose. Remember that in Genesis chapter 1, when God thinks of creating humankind, he had a very clear agenda. He says, let us make them in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and everything that crawls upon the surface of the earth. He had a clear purpose. But after they were created, we don't get any record of he telling them, this is why you were created. At least from when the woman shows up. Adam had this experience where God appeared to him and says, oh, name everything I've created. And he does. I Those are good names. But for the woman, her first verbal encounter with God was after the fall. And it was in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of that traumatic season or that traumatic moment, that something very special happens in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. The Bible says, then the man, maybe I should read a few verses before so you understand what is going on here. Verse 19 says, by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you return." This is God speaking to the man. This is a curse. Then verse 20 says, then the man, as if dawning on him for the first time, as if hitting him for the first time, then the man Adam named his wife Eve. She didn't have a name before that. When they were walking about naming animals and trees, and she didn't have a name. It was after the fall that he named his wife Eve. And this was his reason because she would be the mother of all who live. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember that when Eve which means mother of all living things, or mother of all creation, when she was named Eve, she had no biological children. When she was called mother, she hadn't been to the labor world yet. And that is why motherhood is not defined by childbirth. It is not when you give birth that you become a mother. Motherhood is your calling as a woman. Amen. And you also notice that she wasn't called to be mother to only her children. The woman's calling as a mother is that she'll be mother to all living beings. Amen. And that's why you can enter a home where you don't know anybody. And just from how everything is orderly, you know there is a woman here. In fact, there's a funny story I read recently where <laughs> this lady goes to an office, and she meets this gentleman, and his desk was totally messy. I'm not saying there are no messy women, there are. But when it's ultra-messy, you know it must be a man. And. <laughs> Everything was so messy, he was looking for this document and was looking for that. And, was, and, and finally, this lady, who is her first time meeting him, looks at him and says, "Why don't you use the woman? Why don't you use the woman's table?" Right next to his table was this very clean, very well-organized table with nobody sitting there. And then he goes, "That's very sexist." How did you know that's a woman's table? And she said, come on, just use it. And then he goes like, well, she didn't come to work today. <laughs> you know, But God, in his wisdom, created this. It was really a woman's table. Sometimes the sense to bring order is so much that as men we got frustrated because everything you place somewhere... Gets misplaced. And the reason is you didn't place it, you just left it anywhere. No, I didn't leave it anywhere. It was supposed to be in the middle of the room, right where you walk. You know, it it was supposed to be scattered, (laughs) disorder, you know. But this is what God is saying to us that when Eve was called mother, she hadn't had children. And that's why motherhood doesn't begin with when you have children, and it doesn't end when your children leave for college. It's a lifetime calling. Amen. Amen. This is very, very important to remember. And we are supposed to mother, uh, women are supposed to mother more than just their children. Amen. We have a social, a godly social responsibility towards everything that breathes. Amen. If our environment is chaotic today, maybe we need more women to rise up and take leadership position with all these NGOs and... know, the countries that are being ruled by women are doing better than the countries ruled by men. If Russia and Ukraine were led by women, they won't be at war. <laughs> this is a fact. And... <laughs> You know, they won't let thousands of people die because you know, it's senseless. So God, remember that there was a problem. God saw an inadequacy. So when He created the woman, she was a solution. The woman was an answer to a problem, Amen. She was a solution right from day one. She wasn't the problem. She was a solution. Another thing that is established in scripture, which I think is really interesting, is that motherhood may be a divine calling, but it's not a divine calling for perfect women. Because there are no perfect women and there are no perfect mothers in the Bible. Jesus' mother lost her son, precious son, that she had by divine immaculate conception after an angelic visitation. For three days, she had lost her son and didn't know. (laughs) It took her three days to realize, hey, where's my 12-year-old son? She wasn't a perfect mother. In fact, the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 lists about 42 men and only five women. So that already tells you that in most of the dominant cultures of the world, women are not... Treated with the same level of attention and respect that they deserve. Because if a man and a woman have a baby, why will you only record the man's name? You know, you can't have forty-two men in a genealogy and have only five. It doesn't it doesn't work. You know, it's not like they give birth with goats or trees. You know. All those men who are listed had these the son of this, the son of that. They had him with women. Only five are listed. But the five are hardcore. <laughs> they are dangerous women. <laughs> and they are Jesus' ancestor. It's important to remember that. That the calling to motherhood is not for perfect women. It's not about perfection. It's just about grace. Amen. The first one is Tama. Tama married into a terrible family. Very religious. The head of the family's name is Judah. It doesn't get more religious than Judah. (laughs) God-chosen, Christian, Holy Spirit-filled. The name means praise. And yet, for her, it was catastrophe after catastrophe when she married into that family. It's not every family you marry into, but it's the kind of thing you find out too late after you've married into it. So finally... She pretends to be a prostitute and deceives her father-in-law into having a baby with her. She was a desperate woman who did desperate things. She wasn't perfect. The family made it difficult for her. And her response wasn't godly, but that was her response. The second one, she didn't pretend to be a prostitute. She was a famous prostitute. <laughs> she was the real McCoy. Her name was Rahab. She wasn't some prostitute hiding in some corner. If you were entering her city, her brothel was the first. It was right on the city wall. Advertising. The first woman had a good today would we'll say she had a good Christian foundation, but the circumstances of the home she married into and everything happening around her made her do things she didn't have to do. The second one didn't have a godly foundation. She was born a Gentile, raised in a world that didn't necessarily believe in God and so but when she came to know the truth, amen, everything changed. Not all of us, Women had the privilege of being raised by godly parents. There are some women who were abused by their very own parents when they were children. Some just had a really bad start. But it doesn't disqualify you from this calling to motherhood. Amen. Nothing in your past disqualifies you. And then you have Ruth. You know, in Ghana, typically, a woman is supposed to be passive when it comes to love. She's supposed to giggle and nod and say. <laughs> Even when she means no. So it's a struggle. When you say no means no, it gets complicated in this culture. Even when she means no, oh black with you. And you're not sure. Is it like a no-no, like no? Or is it try a little harder? Or <laughs> but so to a typical Ghanaian culture, this woman is shocking. Her name is Ruth. Ruth gave Boaz a scholarship. She did you know a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Like, she's the one who proposed to him. said, so Marry me! Like, hey, the audacity. It doesn't matter. Yeah, if you like him. You know. Look, sometimes if you wait, you pray out. You pray. Learn from your ancestor, Ruth. Let him know. <laughs> Amen. But she's in there. Amen. She was a Moabite or Moabite.s Was a widow. Finds her way into the family and genealogy of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then you have Bathsheba. She's the most complicated of all of them. Because, because of David's position as king what he did with Bathsheba is an abuse of authority. And sometimes it can even go to the extent of saying, it was rape, but was it? Was it? And because of the nature of the accounts and everything that went on around it, her story is complicated. She's, it's complicated. I know a lot of women with very complicated stories. Yeah. Sometimes she's a victim. Sometimes she's the aggressor. Sometimes they did it to her. Sometimes she actually initiated it. Sometimes, and, and sometimes it's like that. So it's complicated. You, know, you go and meet her crying, and you think she's a victim, and you hear the story, and, oh, she slapped him first. And you're like, okay, so you were the... And it's complicated. Bathsheba is complicated because let's say she was naive, but was she so naive she didn't know that was the king's palace and she didn't know he, he takes his nap at this time and walks on the rooftop that particular because he had a shadow. His life was very organized, you know. And for all the time she could take her shower at noon. In the open it's complicated either she was so naive or she was very calculating and then you find out she grew up in the ghetto she's like hmm those of us who grew up in the ghetto we know ghetto girls and how they roll but maybe she was just naive you know? but all of that doesn't matter Amen. our past doesn't matter amen Amen. The call to motherhood is a sacred calling. It is a sacred calling. It is God's call to every woman. Amen. And then we have Mary. You know, what kind... Th- this, this is just to offend your very modern 21st century ears. But what kind of God impregnates a teenager? Teenager. She couldn't have been more than 16. She didn't know what she was getting herself into. Or maybe she did. When she said, Be it unto me according to your word. Did she, at that age, by law in Ghana, I don't think she even could have given consent. By today's laws. But God says, No, actually, even as a teenager, you are not too young to be responsible. Amen. You are not too young to be a mother. know It almost sounds offensive. It almost sounds offensive to modern years. Even though historically, throughout all human civilizations, womanhood began with puberty. Adolescence is a very modern concept. That idea of in between a child and an adult, that stage, it's a very, very modern concept. In fact, if you go to your village, you'll notice adolescence doesn't exist. You're a child today, child today, next day you are married, you're an adult, finished. I've interviewed 15-year-old, 14-year-old mothers in Ghana. In Ghana. (laughs) In Greater Accra, in Ashanti region, I'm not talking remote, far locations. So, Mary, as young and inexperienced as she was, was also called to motherhood. Amen. The final part I want to share is that as men, and this is me speaking to men, what is our role in all of this? Amen. If motherhood is a sacred calling for all women, How do we best support them? Amen. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about how Christians, in appreciation for the gift of salvation, how we are supposed to live, living lives that are expressions of gratitude to our God for our redemption and adoption. Amen. And then at some point, he decides to talk to husbands and wives. And he says, husbands and wives submit to each other. So even though we live in a time where the world makes a lot of noise, churches make a lot of noise about women submitting, the apostle actually begins with mutual submission. And then he says, for you, the woman, it means respect your husband. And for you, the man, it means love her unconditionally. But I like a more simpler word. Be kind. Amen. Men struggle with kindness. Men struggle with kindness. Does that mean we are not kind? No. It means that we are raised in such a way that our attitude towards any form of opposition is war. It's how we are raised. It is why we succeed. In business, anybody who messes with my money does it only once. You'll never meet a client who messed with my money twice. Or a bank that gave me a terrible service twice. You do it once, I make sure that you don't forget. It's how you survive as a man. It's how we are raised. And there's nothing wrong with being tough. At all, at all. Because you are supposed to be the protector and provider of your family. It is, ing- it is ingrained in us. So everything is fine. I remember we have a neighbor who was very rude to my wife. So, Unfortunately, he had an uncle nearby. So I went to his uncle when he was there and I said, I want you to tell your your son that maybe where you come from, it's okay to be rude to women, but if you mess with my wife, you're messing with me. And if you mess with me, it won't go well. And I wasn't joking. I wasn't joking at all. I was very ready to show him give him a hint of what is capable from this small body. <laughs> but I think he sensed it. You know, he sensed it, and he backed off. Oh, I was so ready. And it is a good thing for a man to be tough. But the downside of that is that when we have to be tender, sometimes we struggle. It is not the first natural response, especially to something we don't like. You know, The lovey-dovey days, you know, when she does, you know, and then she's sweet and all, and I'm like, oh darling, that's sweet, oh, that's amazing. That's, but those are good times. Those are good times. That one is easy. But when she's like the devil, she's, she, she seems to be the one in your way. Then it's really hard to obey this simple command. Simple but tough. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And laid down his life for her. It's hard. Kindness. It's hard for men. Recently we went to eat out uh, and uh, it started raining and I was standing there. When you are bald, you can tolerate the rain. (laughs) I was standing there and it was drizzling and my wife came out. I didn't notice. I don't know where my mind was. And then Pastor Joe came out and he quickly said, Oh, let me get an umbrella for my wife. So he rushed to his car. In fact, his wife was teasing him that there's no umbrella in his car. You know, and so he says, No, no. So he goes and he actually pulls out an umbrella from his car. Listen, it hadn't occurred to me in a million years. What he didn't know, I had a bigger umbrella in my car. <laughs> Big blue umbrella from Stambig. Massive umbrella in my car. It didn't occur to me at all that my wife might need an umbrella. At all. But you see, the thing with men is if I had just met her and I liked her fresh, fresh, I wouldn't just offer her an umbrella. I will take off my shirt and say, use my shirt to cover your head. And that's why love is a command. Kindness is a command. I want to encourage us men. Women are complicated. Sometimes they come as Timma. Sometimes they come as Rehab. Sometimes they come as Ruth. Sometimes they come as Bathsheba. Sometimes they come as Mary. You know, sent and you say it and she doesn't get it like. Ah, and sometimes they can spin around you a hundred times there. Much smarter than you, and they leave you confused. Confused. They tell you, "Like, what's going on here? You are lost." That's when the man becomes officially known as a simp. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. But it doesn't matter who or which of these, if all of them are in our lives. The Bible says we have to be kind. Amen. Kind. Kindness is is something you cultivate. Kindness is not niceness. Kindness comes from the heart. Amen. It comes from a deep place. A very, very deep place. You know. And the other thing about kindness is that it's not about how I express it, but that you should feel my kindness. Amen. So, for example, if she says... You know, so especially when they are pregnant, sometimes they want something funny like roasted maize which costs two or three CDs. And you're like, no, 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 no. Oh, I bought you, I ordered something fancy from this restaurant. He says, no, I want roasted maize. To you, the man especially, especially because you paid more for that, you think that's being kind? No. Kindness is, what does it mean to her? It is her language, not mine. It is what she wants, not what I want. It's not my insistence on what I want to give you. It doesn't matter how much it costs me. It is what she wants. So kindness begins from listening. What does she want? She wants five minutes of my time. I give her a million dollars and she wants five minutes of my time. Yes, five minutes of your time. Men are terrible listeners. I'm number one. One time I caught my wife reading a book entitled How to Speak for Your Husband to Listen. (laughs) When I saw the title of the book, I knew I was in trouble. Terrible listener. But women, forgive us. Where well, we fail you, for when we fail you with our macho attitudes, amen, amen. We love you and we appreciate you, and happy Mother's Day to you, all. amen. In fact, as our first exercise in kindness, we decided to get you. The men in ACC decided to get you some gifts and some snacks, amen, amen. So this is our first act. Our first act of kindness. And since Pastor Kujo champions the cause of male kindness <laughs> towards you, He'll be our ambassador. Pastor Kujo, I know we didn't plan this, but I'll call you forward to pray for our mothers and sisters and wives and daughters. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.